now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, thanks for tuning in. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're here every week to talk about your home, whether you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for tips on maintenance or smart upgrades for your home, this is the place to be. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, Carrie Smith, home inspector from InspectTech, and the team at the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs. These are all amazing local professionals and great resources who'd love to hear from you. If you're looking for advice, please do make sure to call the team members here at The Whole Home Show. They'd love to help. You can find their contact information on the CFAX website. Look under shows. There you'll find the whole home show with me, Tony Joe, and all their information is there. Or just reach out to me. I'd be happy to connect you. I'm your host here. Have done so for, oh my goodness, we're over 100 episodes now. I I love doing this because I learn something new every time. I'm looking forward to learning about the content that we're talking about today for you. Uh, I've been selling real estate now for 28 years, one of the rare born and raised Victorians. Uh, I love our town. I'm a huge community supporter. And in my time, I've helped hundreds of people with their real estate sales or purchases. And I'd be happy to help you as well, too. Uh, if you would like another opinion from a long-standing real estate agent here in Victoria, I would be happy to help you out. You can find my contact information again on the CFAX website or my own real estate team site, the Prime Real Estate Team at primeteam.ca. This week, we're talking about property values, specifically how they are determined. Who decides the price of a property? Are you overpaying? How are properties evaluated? With me today are Amanda Mills from the Mills Appraisal Group, who will be explaining how appraisers determine value and maybe what appraisers do. And also, too, we'll have with us Denise Webster, one of our show partners. She is a mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. We always start our show with a weekly listener question. And if you have one or if you've got a story to tell us about your real estate experience, we'd love to hear from you. The phone number is 250-414-6540, 250-414-6540. Or again, find us online at the CFAX website. Uh, I did have a, a listener question this week, but since we have our show partner, Denise Webster, here with us in the studio, uh, I thought we'd have a chit-chat with her. Hey, Denise. Hi, Tony. Um, all right. So tell. I always like hearing about things that you're bumping into on a regular basis. So uh, what have you dealt with recently? Well, on the topic of appraisals, this was uh, just immediate, something that happened just a couple of weeks ago. turned out to be a little disappointing for the client, but uh, based on some research, we were able to really nail some details down and decide if we could proceed or not with a refinance of my client's property. Okay. So uh, the idea was that um, he knew he had built some equity in his property, was looking to pull a little bit of that equity for some home improvements. um, Which is something people commonly do. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? That's a great reason to pull equity because you're going to improve the value of your home, maintain it, keep it up to date. So that's a great scenario. Lenders don't mind seen that either. So in this instance, um, I kind of was running some initial numbers. The key to understanding with a refinance is that we cannot put a mortgage any higher than 80% of the market value. So trying to do the math on that and seeing how much the existing mortgage was, 
we came up with an initial amount and I said, well, if the property value comes in at this rate or this value, we probably could proceed. So he uh, opted to talk to his real estate agent Mm -hmm. and come up with a ballpark number to see if whereabouts we were and came back with a value that I was quite surprised at. Um, But But surprised high. It was high. It seemed high for me because he had only purchased this house two years ago and I had done the purchase and that was a big increase in value. And I knew he had not done a lot further um, uh, improvements to the home. But it was based on a property just around the corner from him that had recently sold uh, at 970000 And the listing, his agent had said, oh, you probably would come in around nine fifty, just because of it. it's a little bit uh, different uh, upgrades in the home. Mm-hmm. So I started to work with that number. Um, but before I actually submitted the file for approval, I did call an appraiser, which is such a valuable relationship in our industry to, to find out a little bit more information about the online comparables. Yeah. And so the yeah, because con- the, the online are just numbers. Like, they are just numbers, yeah. and 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 mo- mostly I wanted to know what was this property that sold for nine seventy, and was it a comparable? Mm. Uh, so uh, the appraiser came back with me to me with a value saying that they might it would be a stretch to come in and find a comparable for their home at nine hundred. So I was about fifty thousand over is what my client thought, and then running those numbers at nine hundred, it did not make sense to do a refinance. There was not enough equity to pull for the updates they wanted to do. So digging a little deeper, pull up that uh, recent sale. What was the difference between that sale and my client's property? Well, there was a thousand uh, square feet difference in the home. Oh, that's a big deal. Uh, the other yeah. home that sold had a view. Yeah. Um, my pl- client had a very large lot, yeah. but the home was not as updated as the home that had sold. Wow. So those are very big comparables no and kidding. just a ballpark number to say, well, something sold up the street at 970, you might be around 950. That was just too much of a ballpark for me. Yeah. And go to the professional that can actually find the details of why that house sold at that price. And that professional is the appraisal. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we 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 didn't move forward the refinance. We didn't go any further with it. Client understood, which was great because I actually had details to explain that sale. Mm. Uh, so uh, just a, a, a instead of wasting a lender's time as well and actually paying for a full appraisal and to find out we weren't even in the ballpark. So yeah, it's a very valued relationship to understand. And well, and that's a painful process for a consumer too. <clears throat> like yeah. somebody who's going through that whole uh, application thing and and feeling hopeful that things yeah. will come together. And, and We should then, start with that conversation. Yeah, well, it helps to have a mortgage broker like you because I, I think oftentimes people kind of don't have that option. They just get, they get dragged down that... Uh, that uh, that path, right? Yeah, and and yeah, you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, and and in the eleventh hour, just discover that hey, we can't actually do this. The appraisal came in way too low, yeah. so there was no charges. Uh, you know, the client hadn't paid anything, I hadn't paid anything. Uh, we were able to just really make some common sense decisions about not moving forward with a refinance. Well, I, I think it's it's going to be very important for us on the rest of the show here uh, when we talk with Amanda as well too. That the whole process of evaluation and determining value in a property it's not it's not witch, witchcraft. It's not hocus pocus. No, there are. I mean, there's data that is there that that must support where an evaluation comes from, right? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for one, I, I've got to say, I, thanks for telling me that because uh, I would be happy if I was the consumer. Um, uh, I mean, we've all gone through an uh, uh, application process before. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever been declined, but my goodness, I would hate that. You know, it would fe- it would feel terrible. Oh, right? yeah. If you've called your employment letters, you've got your pay stubs, you've done all the documents. You feel excited about the yeah. fact that you're going to yeah. get this, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, very interesting. Okay, well, uh, Denise, as always, if people need to reach you, how can they do that? Call me directly on my cell at 250-889-4743 or send me an email. Denise at DeniseWebster.com. Great story. Well, I've got one other thing here as well, too, to talk about, uh, because we had somebody that was asking, and it was an email from a listener, Glenn, who was asking about acceptance time on offers. Hmm. So, uh, of course, when when a buyer makes an offer to a seller, there is a component there that is acceptance time, and that's when the, how long the seller has to respond to the buyer's offer. And there are many schools of thought there. Uh, Sometimes the buyer or their agent is hoping for really quick acceptance time. Like, here's my offer. Give me an answer in three hours. That's really tight for people. Mm -hmm. Um, The important thing uh, for Glenn to know is that acceptance time is significant because if the timeline is not met, then it means there is no contract. Because the contract uh, relies upon uh, many details, not the least of which is how long is the thing open until. So uh, if... If you have an acceptance time of, say, 3 o'clock today and it's 3.30, well, there is no contract. There's, there's, there's nothing there. It requires uh, either a new offer to be written or, uh, at the very least, an adjustment for acceptance time uh, between the buyer and the seller. Something that people often forget about. And the other thing uh, as well is uh, we cannot just assume that, a- that an acceptance time has been extended just based on telephone calls from agents. There are such things as verbal extensions or verbal agreements, but uh, in practice, and we teach this uh, for the realtors as well, it's always best to get things in writing because you never know when things go sideways. I see Denise nodding her head here. You guys don't do anything uh, um, verbally. Unless it's Everything's in writing. In writing. Yes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, again, for any listeners, if you have a question or would like to talk about your real estate experience on the air, 250-414-6540. And if you're a podcast listener, don't forget you can find all of our episodes on either Google Play or iTunes. Just look for The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. We are at episode, I think, 117 right now. There's tons and tons of uh, resources there over the years that might answer some of your real estate questions. So be sure to sign up. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Amanda Mills about appraisals. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking about property values today and how values are determined. We have with us today both our show sponsor, Denise Webster, from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. And with us right now is Amanda Mills from the Mills Appraisal Group. Amanda, thanks for coming. Hi, Tony. Good to be back You're here. no stranger here. We've had you here many times. You are our, our key person when it comes to things regarding appraisals. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so a question that comes up all the time is, what's the true value of a property? Because people often wonder, how, how is a house price determined and who determines it? So uh, let's start, first of all, with, um, I mean, your experience in the appraisal industry. You've been at it for a long time now, right? Quite a while, yes. How many years? Oh, dear. (laughs) I have to do the math on that one. But uh, about 20 years, I think. Yeah. Coming up to 20 years. Yeah. And and you have probably uh, assessed, appraised hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of properties, right? I have. And I go back, too, to reappraise them years later. So it's always interesting to, to see that. How, okay. it, how the house has progressed and the owners have progressed. Oh, changed in time. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, because when somebody does a modification or a renovation or is looking uh, to extract um, 
you know, if, we'll talk with Denise about this. Right, uh, wanting later. to refinance for whatever reason, then then we go back. Yes. And you see the same house, but with yes. Uh, upgrades. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. Well, let's talk about then. Um, I mean, typically, why are you appraising? So we just talked about an appraisal for, for instance, a refinance. Right. But other reasons. Why Why do people call you? Well, that's the primary reason. Not just refinance, but for the lender, for the banks. Yeah. The banks want to know that the collateral is valid, that there's substance there. If they're going to give a mortgage on a property, they want to have a, an assurance that there's the value that they're going to loan on is worth it. Um, but there are many other reasons for doing it, too. I mean, we do a lot of work with realtors and in real estate. Um whereby a realtor has a difficult property to, to list. Something unique. Something unique, of yeah. course, and it's always unique to the seller. <laughs> yes. And so the homeowner has an idea of what they want to price it at, and the realtor who's out in the field, knowing what the market is doing, has another idea of what it should be or could be. So often we're called in to try and not arbitrate this, but to give an independent valuation mm -hmm. of what we would think would be the market value. Not the list value, but the eventual selling value. Yeah. So that's one. Another is we do a lot of uh, probate work. So when someone passes away, the estate needs to be probated. The lawyers need to have a valuation set on the house as of the date of death. So we're doing a retrospective valuation, looking at the historical period of time. Usually it's yeah, within a few months. Passed, yeah, yeah. Um, That's one. Unfortunately, divorces, separations provide another element of business whereby one or two, both parties need to have an appraisal done. They might agree to have an appraisal, one appraisal done. If they're not agreeing with each other, then they probably would both have independent appraisals done. And then they'd go to negotiation and determine who buys a, who yeah. with what money. Got it. Got it. Well, and I think it's really important uh, for listeners to understand that the the, having a professional certified appraiser like yourself is, as you mentioned, that unbiased opinion, right? Because, yeah. uh, you know, people every once in a while ask us as realtors, can you come by and give us a, a valuation of our, of our property? Um, and, you know, while we can give a range, of course, the difficulty is we are not, we're not, we're not certified for that. We're not That's actually right. allowed to practice outside of our area of expertise, which is what you are, right? Yes, that's right. And we don't have any vested interest in the valuation either. Mm -hmm. So the if they're wanting to have um, us come in and give a value, it can be relied upon for financing purposes and for legal purposes too. Yeah, because the, the vested interest, sometimes with the realtors, and you know, we're talking a little bit about the inner, the inner workings of the real estate agent's brain right now. Sometimes an agent can go in and say, oh, you know, hey, I think this is a $700,000 house, but I really want the business, so maybe I'll tell the seller seven fifty, dollars and they'll give it to me, and then, um, you know, I know the house is still only worth seven hundred, so we'll need to reduce the price continually until which point they get the $700,000 or whatever. And it's not an unbiased uh, um, opinion, whereas the appraisal right. is, right? Right. There is a perception that that could happen, but... Yeah. And then stepping back, too, for a seller, uh, I cannot imagine if the world we lived in was such that the seller was able to determine their price. Like if somebody said, eh, you know what, I've got heavy-duty nails and gold faucets, so I think my house is worth $2 million, and they live in a $1 million um, area, right? Right, right. And the house down the street sold for $2.5 so therefore I know my house is the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they don't. But, you know, buyers, sellers are a lot more informed these days, and they also have access to stats, too. So we find that probably in the real estate profession that 
um, they're pretty well informed. Mm -hmm. They may not know exactly where it should be placed pricing-wise, but they're more informed than they used to be, Yeah, I because, think. of course, they can go online. They can yes. go on to Realtor.ca, which is a very common site. Of course, we don't post sales there, so everything mm -hmm. there is just current listings, right? Right, right. Yeah. And that's what the basis of the appraisal profession is dealing with, is what properties sell for. Yeah. So you're asking, what what is market value? It's really what a willing buyer will sell, will pay a willing seller, yeah. given a reasonable amount of exposure time with a Canadian dollar unit. Yeah. So um, really, it's the consumer who fixes the price in the end. Yeah. We can say, the appraiser can say, I think the value is here. The assessors might say, well, it's been assessed at this. The realtors will say, well, I think it's this. Ultimately, it's the person buying the house. Yeah. Will determine what that's well, worth. and there's so many other va uh, variables too. Like, you know, where is the buyer at in their cycle of, of buying? What's their motivation? What's the motivation of the seller? Mm, uh, yes. Is there a value to whether the sale closes quickly or is long? There's so many things to consider um, that can have an effect, right? Right. And we're often looking at a sale price on a listing because we, we deal with the listings. We're part of the multiple listing service, yeah. um, subscribers. Um, so we might see a price that sells for substantially over the list price. And that immediately puts me on the phone to the realtor to say, what were the circumstances of this sale? Yeah. And in past times, we were talking earlier, past times there were many multiple offers and so that gives us an indication that it's a very hot market at that particular time. So if five buyers were in there trying to um, get the property and the price ends up to be well over the list price, well that's the value at that particular point in time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically the outcome of a multiple offer is the new value. It is. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is. And that may change, too, yeah. when the market changes and goes downward. That, uh, And I don't know if we're seeing that now, but um, I think prices are adjusting. Yeah. And so the heat of the market uh, may not prove to last. It never does. No. No. It's Both all you and cycles. I have been in this business for long enough. We know we see up and downs, We right? do. We do. We have to remember that, that it, there are cycles. Yeah. Now, you were just talking about the fact that you talked to the realtor to find out what the uh, circumstances are, were of a multiple offer or bidding situation. Right. Uh, and, and it's important for people to know that the reason why you're checking is the bank wants to know why. Yes. So the buyer's bank is saying, hey, this property was listed at $800,000, but yet you're paying eight fifty. What's the reason? Yes. Right. Yeah. And so we need to say that because what was in the report, we're stating what a property sold for yeah. if we have that information. And mostly we do get that information. From the sale. From the sale. Yeah. Um, but uh, if it's substantially, and we have to indicate what it was listed for too. So it's already there in the report, that information. Yeah. So you want to substantiate why, why it sold for that price. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of math. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the most interesting or intriguing property you can think of uh, that you have appraised? Oh, Don't my. need to give an address. But no, I won't. Definitely yeah. won't in this instance. <laughs> it was a couple of years ago, and it was a house in a rural area that had been um, uh, a pot-growing house. Oh. So it was a foreclosure. Grow-op, yes. And that was a house that I followed for several years with subsequent... Um, appraisals for the bank who was foreclosing. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was substantial damage in the house as a result of that. Um, so that was a problem because I 
had a lot of disclosures going on in my report saying that that I did not I'm not a building inspector so I can't warranty the walls things you can't see things I can't see yeah and things that I could see that were torn out that I wouldn't know really what they were yeah. um, or what damage there was in the house so that was a sad situation and um, the seller the owners were well gone yeah. and um, it was uh, it was a sad situation. I, d- I forget what it eventually sold for, but it was certainly less than what it started off. And as actually, you know, price. that's a great segue to talk because we're going to pick up with Denise in just a moment here. Because there's a question that comes up: is this whole uh, previous grow op situation and everything? Uh, Amanda, yes. people need to reach you. Best way to do that at Mills Appraisal Group seven two seven zero two two two. Perfect. Don't go anywhere because we're going to pick up conversation with you. And we're talking all about property values, valuation, and appraisals. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, Carrie Smith, home inspector from Inspectech, and the team at the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills, and estates, corporate, and personal injury needs. If you're looking for some advice or direction from local professionals, these are great people to chat with, so they'd love to hear from you. You can find their contact information either on the CFAX website, look for The Whole Home Show, there you'll find us, and all their contact information is there, or reach out to me. I'd be happy to introduce you. We're talking about property evaluations, appraisals. We were speaking just now with Amanda Mills from Mills Appraisal Group. She's still here with us, so we're going to pick up with her uh, throughout this conversation here. But with us right now is one of our show partners from the very beginning, Denise Webster. And I'm, I've lost track now. How many times have you been here? Who knows? Who knows? A lot. It's always good to be back. Yes. I know people, lo- first of all, I know people listen to the show, and I also know they like calling you because you are a great source of mortgage information for anyone who has a question. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to hear when somebody does call me and they said they heard me on CFAX. So. Well, it's a popular show. Yeah, it's it popular is. popular station, right? Yeah. Um, okay, before the break, uh, Amanda was talking about uh, appraising a very unique property. It happened to be a grow-up. I don't want to go too deep into this because we've got other things to talk about today with evaluations and appraisals relative to mortgage brokerage. Yep. Um, but it is a bit of a hot topic. We had a guest on a couple months ago, a lawyer, talking about uh, the fact that cannabis is legal now. And since it is legal, does that mean that people can buy houses that were past grow ops? So right now, what is the what's the mortgage, uh, um, uh, the bank consensus on on such a topic? There's been absolutely no change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So making it legal did not change anything for our lenders and our banks. They really haven't opened up any kind of new rules to allow this type of financing. Um, it is still a very tricky um, transaction to get approved. Uh, it's because the lender is looking at it from uh, a lot from a resale point of view as well. So uh, on a risk assessment, a lender is always going to say, what's our worst case scenario? If the borrower defaults this mortgage, we now have to foreclose and how quickly can we sell this property? On a previous grow up property, it's always going to be disclosed that it was a grow up and that limits our lenders. It limits the um, the type of mortgage you can have. Uh, we do see our insurers backing up some of these that have been remediated. Um, so you've got kind of three chances to get it done with one of our three insurers. And again, to match that up with a lender that is actually putting this type of mortgage on their book of business. So you have a limited uh, option of lenders. You probably have a limited option of buyers because they know the uh, 
um, problems they could run into the future of trying to sell this property again. It will always be disclosed as a previous grow up. Yeah, and the only buyer that you'd find is somebody who would want it at a, a good enough deal. Right. It made sense for them, right? Right, and that's what usually is attracting the buyer. They think this is just such a great deal. Look at the price. You know, we can't find anything else at this price. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. And they have to, I usually try to flip that and say, put yourself in the other shoes now. So now you want to sell this property and you're li- you're setting it out to a limited scope of buyers as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then the scary thing for buyers that they should know, I think, is it's what can't be seen. It's it's what we call material latent defects. Absolutely. So something that you even an inspector going like Carrie Smith, you send Carrie Smith in there, he can't find out because it's things in between the walls, things that you cannot see with a reasonable inspection that may not present for years. No. Right. And, and potential health hazards. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and what what you're saying is it's too risky for the banks. It is. Yeah. Yep. And I think it should be just as risky for a borrower, just because of just what you just talked on. You you have no idea what kind of worms you, can of worms you're going to open in probably a couple of years after if that mold does present, if if there's some electrical damage, if there is any kind of, you know, mildew growing in the attic. Those yeah. kind of things may not be presented at your time of inspection. Yeah. So maybe a good uh, piece of advice is find another house. Yes. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So we're talking about uh, appraisals and actually I generally have both of you, like you and Amanda uh, here uh, at least once a year to talk about assessments. That's not the topic of today. You know, that usually comes up January uh, during the year. Um, Amanda, of course, uh, gets sent by the bank to do an appraisal on the property. Um, Tell us what the process is like for you. So when you open up a file for somebody who is buying, um, how does that, how does the appraisal fit in? Well, there's two uh, very clear scenarios. If a borrower is purchasing a house with less than 20% down, that's an insured mortgage, the uh, borrower default insurance. And in that case, higher risk. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah, A higher risk or just, it's called a high ratio mortgage. Yeah. Um, and in those instances, we know that the um, insurer is going to probably do the appraisal. So it's out of our hands. We are not going to be, as a, a broker, we're not going to order the appraisal for the borrower. We know that the insurer is going to order that. Mm-hmm. They also have a lot of um, online systems as well that sometimes we can get an automatic value approved and they actually don't actually send a physical appraiser to the home. So that's the insured mortgage. When I have a client with 20% down or more, uh, conventional mortgage, um, I will have one of two. I, I can usually guarantee with a few lenders that I know I'll have to do an appraisal. I know I'll have to do an appraisal on a rental property. I know I'll have to do an appraisal on a private purchase, an unlisted property. Oh, interesting. Um, but there, yeah. Okay. Um, and then there are, again, there's some lenders that, same as the insurers, they have these online tools to sometimes do an auto approval. Um, and that's the luck of the draw. It really is. If, if, if we've inputted as much accurate information as we can about the house and they have the matching information, we sometimes do get an auto approval that just says, the lender is satisfied with the true market value of the home or the fair market value of the home. And so we can get a quick approval or we do get conditioned to order an appraisal. Got it. All right. Now, what happens when an appraisal is ordered and say somebody has somebody's offered or was willing to pay $800,000, the appraisal comes through and it comes in lower? Uh, so I'm we, vi- uh, By the way, are we seeing that? Nowadays? I haven't seen that since uh, 2016 was the first time I saw that. And that's mm-hmm. right when the, fir- the first um, over-asking um, yeah. offer started to come through. Yeah. So the market hadn't caught up with it at that stage. Uh, so recently, no, I have not seen that. But because that did happen to me in 2016, I am always very aware of it now. And if I do know that my client is going to be offering a substantial amount over the listed price, I'm very clear to say that 
the lender will only lend on that appraised value. So let's say you are offered 800 on a 750 house and if that appraisal comes in at a 750 appraisal, the borrower is making up that $50,000 difference in their down payment. It will they will only they lend on a value of 750. All right. Does it uh, does it happen when like it, if that's a tough situation or a tough nut to crack for the buyer? Is there an option for a reappraisal? I mean, the answer would still be the same, right? Um, yes, uh, I'd probably have to move to a different lender. A oh, n- the same lender will not allow a new appraisal. Yeah. Um, so we could be scrambling to go and find a new lender. And, um, you know, I, I think you're putting an appraiser in a bad position for, you know, to try and find a, something so different of $50,000 difference. I think it's quite unlikely that another appraisal is actually going to... F- yeah. Come in at eight hundred. Well, I, I think this is something we might start seeing a little more as the market uh, stabilizes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and um, you know, I th- yeah. there as long as there are comparables in that area, and that's what the appraisers are doing. They're finding recent sales, and very well could be sales that have happened over the listing price in that area. So I think it's, um, I think a borrower is also being very uh, well advised by their real estate agent to say. You know, there are some sales that support you making an offer at this price. Yeah. Uh, going in at a willy-nilly offer just because you have to have the house, I think you are taking a risk that there may not be comparables. So if your bo- if your borrower, your buyer, Tony, came to you and said, I have to have this house, I'm just going to offer 100000 over asking. Yeah. There's with, probably with a, no, with with no, no research at yeah. all. There's a very good chance that appraisal we know is not going to come in at that value, and they are going to be putting an extra whatever hundred thousand dollars down on their down payment. Got it. So I would be very clear with my borrower at that stage if I found out that they were going in at a much higher asking price. Yeah, good to know. Good to know. All right. So and the other thing too is it's not like the uh, bank or the lender just calls up and says, I want Amanda Mills to come and do a, a appraisal. There's a system, isn't there, of there uh, is. assignment? Yep. Some yeah. lenders allow us to go and pick an appraiser off an approved list. They always post their appraiser's approved list. Yeah. We also have online systems where uh, we have to input the uh, information, and then it says select an appraiser, and it will come up with just a handful that we can choose from. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, you can't. Uh, you uh, A, they have to be on the lender's and the bank's approval list, and sometimes we do not have a choice of selection uh, it can pop up and just with three to six options yeah transparency right? yep yeah, yeah I think it's good for the, I think it's good for the industry that way good uh, Denise people need to reach you how do they do that uh, directly on my cell please two five zero eight eight nine four seven four three or send me an email at Denise at deniswebster.com great Denise we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna be having a conversation uh, with both Denise and Amanda again about property evaluations back in just a moment this is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking about property values, appraisals, evaluations today. We just had Denise Webster, our show sponsor from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, talking about appraisals relative to the banking process, whether it's a refinance or purchasing a house. Uh, and we had on a few moments ago and back right now, Amanda Mills. Amanda's with the Mills Appraisal Group. Uh, Amanda, again, thanks for coming back. Thank you, Tony. Um, can we talk for a moment about the the methods of appraisal? So, how you do an appraisal? Because, of course, you you're sent to go have a look at a house to determine its value. What data are you using to determine that? 
Right. Well, we're using a physical inspection of the house. So the appraiser goes, um, takes photographs of all the rooms, inspects everything that's on the surface. We don't probe into attics or crawl spaces, so we're not acting as a building inspector. But we do a, vis a visual inspection. We measure the house. And then we go back. We might know before we go what the house is going to be like. We have an assessed value for it. If it's a listing, we have the listing, so we're a little prepared to for what we're going to see. Mm -hmm. And then back in the office is where the work takes place. What we're looking for are comparable sales that will compare to this property within hopefully two to three months, depending on the purpose of the appraisal, but we're looking for a reasonably tight time frame in which to um, Yeah, so in other words, you're not, looking at a house, you're not looking at a similar house that sold three years ago. No, no. And, and this is often what happens, that the, the homeowner will say, oh, well, the house next door sold. And I say, oh, good, when? Oh, two and a half years ago. And I say, well, that won't really suit our purposes. Information. No, yeah. it's, it needs to be current because it has to be within the current economic market. Yeah. And that's really what we're reflecting. Um, so we look on the computer, we look through the MLS systems for properties that are comparable. We do a neighborhood analysis, so we have to know our neighborhoods. We check into the zoning. If there's a problem with the zoning, we phone the municipality. Not a problem, but if we're questioning the zoning, for instance, and the current use of a property, mm -hmm. does it allow a suite to be used, for instance? Yeah. Is that suite legal? Is it allowed within the OCP and in the zoning? Or if it's a new development, for instance, we don't have the zoning on the zoning map, so we phone the municipality to see what's the new zoning in this subdivision. Mm -hmm. So we have to check all of that to see what the permissible uses of the property are. Um, then we describe the property physically, uh, the site, etc. We have to come up with a value for the lot. So we're looking for two values. One is an, a whole improved property and one is a land value. So we're always looking for properties that have been bought and the house torn down. And that will give us a good indication that, oh, here's a, yeah, right. here's a development site that someone's going to build a new house. So that this pins a value on a property, on a vacant land. So we come up with the land value, then we come up with, determine how much would it cost today to build this house. And that's where our other expertise comes in with talking to the real experts in building, the builders and contractors. Yeah. So we're in touch, we have, um, all of us have people we talk to, try and keep abreast of construction costs today. Well, you have to because there's, there's different levels. I mean, are, are, is it a spec house or is it a right. custom home? What's the, what's the dollar per square footage? And that's, that's how you get that information. That's you, right. And that's yeah. really our measure of comparison. Yeah. Once we're doing the analysis of looking at how these houses compare to the subject house. So we need to know how much they would cost to build, what the depreciation would be, etc. Um, so we'd make all of that analysis and then we end up with a range of value usually. We do plus and minus adjustments to compare those properties to the subject property. Yeah. Well, we, we need to talk about that just for a sec. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, adjustments. So uh, let's explain what an adjustment is. Right. Yeah. We have a house that's on a, a 10,000 square foot lot and the other houses, there might be a comparable that's on a similar size and there's one that's on a 15,000 square foot lot and then there's one that's on considerably smaller but we're using it because it's a perfect house, yeah. although a smaller lot. So you have to determine what adjustment, the difference between sub, the subject one and comparable A um, and say it's 5,000 square foot difference. Well, what can you build in that difference? Yeah. 
Um, so you have to put a dollar value on that. Uh, yeah, so ba- basically what you're saying, you, you've, you've identified the perfect comparable houses, yes. but they're sitting on different lot sizes. Right. So then you've, you, as the appraiser, has to figure out the differential between how much more is it worth to have that bigger lot or how much right. less is it worth to have the smaller yeah. lot, right? Yes. Yeah. And in some instances, you're really only talking of excess land, so you may or may not be able to do very much with it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, sort of a nominal adjustment, perhaps. Yeah. But that's where, in selecting the comparable sales, you really want to have as close as possible to the subject property. Yeah. Now, one word that you mentioned a moment ago, I think might surprise some people, is depreciation. Yes. Uh, so tell us what part of the property is depreciating. Well, the land is not. Land does not depreciate. It's the construction of the building. Um, So the moment the doors are open and people occupy it, it's depreciating. It's just like a used car. Precisely. Hopefully less depreciation at the initial (laughs) stages than a a new car. But um, also during the cycle of a a house, people are fixing it up. So it may be a 50-year-old house, but it's been renovated over a period of time and brought up to current standards. So you wouldn't put a 50-year depreciation percentage on it because it's being kept new. Think of all the houses in Fairfield, for instance, that are 110 years old. Well, they're With not brand 100. Brand new kitchen. Or brand whatever. new kitchen. Yeah. Windows are done. Roof is done. Um, the insulation is all brought up to code. They've put in new flooring. So really, they're giving a new life to this house that was is a, technically 110 years old. Yeah. So, so depreciation, to my mind, is it brings my realtor's hat into play, where someone will value that 110-year-old house because it still lives today yeah. to today's standards. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so, so talking about uh, Denise's hand is up. I do. I just have a quick question. Oh, 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 question. I do for Amanda because this is something that our um, lenders will look at in the report and it's come up for me before is the simple comment of actually describing the condition of the house. So we see average, below average, above average, poor. You know, that is something that my eye looks at an appraisal right away because I want to see how the appraiser has viewed the home as uh, the, the current condition because, yes, age comes into play, but I quite often am very happy to see a report that says the, the house is well-maintained and above average for its age. Right. So are, what are the actual definitions that you use? Well, good is new yep. or excellent renovation. Um, average is... Um, a standard for the area. Poor and fair are ones you don't want to get into. Exactly. Because (laughs) you know that's a killer. Yep. And if you have to say that something is poor or fair, you really want to back it up with a description of why you're classifying it as that. Yes. Because we know that that will be a red flag to the lender, definitely. Yep. So whatever you say about it, really, you should try and quantify it in words, besides just ticking a box saying fair or good or average. Try and and amplify it a little more. And that's the job of the appraiser, to to describe in words what you're seeing. Yeah, because in a case where I've had an appraisal that did say it was fair, uh, it was a purchase plus, and the lender knew they were actually improving that portion of the house where it had come in as fair or poor. So it was fine. to It was approved. They knew the borrower was actually going to be improving the home. Yeah. Well, yeah you know, good point. And, and, the, and the other thing, too, this, I love this conversation on, on uh, condition because I just went through a house on the weekend with a, with a client of ours, 
And it's amazing how you look at the photos online and it looks pristine. And then we show up at the house and it was one of those, you know, take your shoes off. But when we walked out, my white socks were black, you know, oh. like, <laughs> Yep. So, condi- you know, if photos are not representative of they conditions. They can be very old photos. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, 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 you, and this is the reason why someone like you, Amanda, needs to go into a property to make that assessment, right? Right. And why and the lender wants you to go to the property yes. as well. And you have to be clear about it, too. You have to indicate what is structurally a problem and what is a lifestyle problem. Yeah. And there are ways that you can finesse the wording of it to say that this property really would be much better off if these people weren't in it right now when you want to market <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> right. But you could say that yeah. the, the property appears to be in good condition, it's had this and that done to it, but the current uh, personal effects don't help yeah. detract from it or something. Try and phrase it such that you take the onus off the physical aspect of it, which is what the bank is looking at, and then put it on the lifestyle aspect of it that's not going to alter the physical part. It's funny because if I have a client and I tell them that we have to do an appraisal, if they're um, refinancing their home, they're like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get my house all tidied and cleaned up. I'm like, well, don't break your back to do it because <laughs> yeah. you've got a beautiful home. Uh, you don't, it, you know, an appraiser can see past your dirty laundry and that's not going to affect the market value. So I always tell my clients to not go crazy cleaning but yeah it sure looks better if your bed is made (laughs) you know i think that's my advice to my clients if i if i know we have to do an appraisal for their home yeah Yeah. you're gonna see the pictures do you want your bed not made (laughs) oh for sure and and that's another example like the, the the difference between a nicely staged home and something that is that has been really worn. Right? Oh, very much so. Yeah. I did a house that was a hoarder's house a few years ago, uh-huh. and I had to have a lot of disclaimers in that. I had to say I could not physically see the walls or the floor, and I barely saw the ceiling. So I would advise a building inspector come in and do a, a building inspection report. Yeah. So you have to remove the onus of responsibility on yourself in what you're seeing and do what you can do, what you have expertise to do. Mm-hmm. Now, actually... Something that somebody could do if they really wanted to is they could uh, commission an appraisal of their own home just for interest sake. So, so, you know, not just for banking purposes or refinancing or anything. If somebody really wanted to, you know, what's my value worth? They could always call you up. Absolutely. Yes, we do it for all sorts of reasons. Um, Very often in that instance, someone... Uh, is doing estate planning, for instance, they want to know what it's worth. But they also think, I may want to sell in a year or two, so I'll get a a valuation today. Yeah. I I know we've mentioned this before on on other episodes, but the data that you use, the appraisers use, uh, is actually, and you mentioned already the uh, MLS system, right? That's correct. It's important for consumers to know that we're not talking realtor.ca. We're not talking the consumer-faced website that everyone has access to. It's the actual MLS system where we have data including, you know, sold prices and a lot more information. Um, And the reason why appraisers have access to that is we have a data use agreement with uh, the appraisal uh, community, right? That's right. We're associate members of the Real Estate Board. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's that's where the data comes from. Yes. Uh, Before I forget, again, people need to reach you, Amanda. How do they do that? At Mills Appraisals. 250-727-0222 or Mills Appraisal Group at Shaw.ca. Yeah, and I'll be posting that information on the uh, CFAX website too. And uh, Denise, we mention uh, your contact information on a regular basis, but let's do it again. Uh, My cell number is 250-889-4743 and email denise at denisewebster.com. Great, great. Well, uh, thank you both for this conversation. Uh, And I have to say, Again, the, the, the whole point to today's conversation was uh, that 
people just don't pick the number themselves. A seller can't just say, I want X amount of dollars, or a buyer can't just say, well, I'm only going to pay X amount of dollars for that house. They could say that, but they might not get the house. Right? That's right, yes. Yes. So uh, there's so much value in, uh, in evaluation. Thanks both for coming. Thank, Thank you. you, Tony. Yeah, and for the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.